0: Milo, Milo, God is. That song has been a staple around here. For I know almost the last twenty years. Singing that song, hey, amen, amen, bless you, well, you sing it like you know it, bro, yeah, amen, amen, everybody, I think musicians have their songs, their signature song that's one of your things you that one. well bless you, yeah, yeah, well, it doesn't need me words, sound like we having a dialogue up here, we are, yeah. yeah. I heard Nelson Miller sing one yesterday that's uniquely his. There ain't nobody worthy but the Lord. <laughs> but the Lord. That's all the songs say. Ain't nobody worthy but the Lord. And he can just stand up and sing it. I mean, just good God Almighty. Yeah. It's true, too. God is. But the question of the hour is what is God to use? That's what matters. God is separate and distinct from us being anything. But what is God what is God to use? Does he mean anything? Yeah. We started a sermon series uh, this month, month of November, been a weird month because the Sundays haven't flowed. Uh, usually, there's not another Sunday for me to give a message after Thanksgiving. We jump straight into heaven. We're still in November now, it's a little bit, and Thanksgiving is gone. So it's a little bit different. And so, we're still in the month of stewardship. We started out this month talking about the stewardship. We will concentrate on making sure we're taking care of the relationships that God has placed in our life. We initially started talking about taking care of the relationship of husband and wife, being the best stewards we could of those relationships, if that's a part of our life. And then we talked about being good parents. Yeah. And then we went into taboo land last Sunday. Yeah. And we talked about something that's not really ever talked about in church. We talked about divorce in church. We needed to talk about that. That was a needful conversation for us. All right? To be aware of what the Bible says about divorce. not Not what divorce court says on TV. Not what they say on the media. But what God says about divorce. Today we're going to talk about a different aspect of our relationship with uh, that God has blessed us with. We're going to talk about friendship. All right, being a good friend is what we're going to talk about today. Being a good friend. The name of this Bible study, I mean, of this uh, uh, Bible series, is entrusted. God has entrusted certain people to you, certain relationships to you, and he expects you to be a good steward of those relationships at whatever level. Entrusted. How many of you will say, if you can show by hand raising, slip your hand up, that God has entrusted you with a good friend? Raise your hand. Yeah, without it, just right now, I don't want you to say it out loud, but I want you to think real quick right now. If you had to say, I got a good friend, and his name or her name is blank. Got somebody in mind? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. And that's a blessing. In this big old world, this big old world, God has allowed you and this person to become kindred spirits. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not speaking, and if it is, that's fine, that's fine. If it's your spouse, it ought to be that way, all right? But if it's not, if it's not your spouse, if it's someone else, then that's okay too, all right? Because if it's done properly, then that's a relationship that your spouse respects and understands that that relationship bring you, brings you positivity and helps in the overall relationship. So it's okay. It's all right. And if you got more than one, let me use this BFF, more than one, then you are doubly blessed to have that. Now, I wouldn't try to go get a whole boatload of them, But that creates its own dynamics and be, it becomes problematic when you do that. But if I have to give you scripture references through this message, it's going to be as we reach our points and None in particular, but we can start out if you want to go ahead. You got your Bible with you, which I suggest you bring to church. If you got your app, we're going to start out talking about Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two verses there. We'll lift up 9 and 10. A few years ago, the famous Christian theologian Charles Swindle made the observation that And this will be shocking to many of us, but then some of us will know it's true. That the best counterfeit organization there is to Christian fellowship, the best counterfeit organization to Christian fellowship is the local bar. The local bar. In our communities, sometimes, well, we, we go to England, there'll be the local pub. Yeah. The local pub. Um, in our communities, it would be the shot house. Don't act new. Don't act new. Yeah. The neighborhood bar is the best counterfeit. But it's an imitation because it dispenses liquor instead of grace, and it it dispenses escape or escapism instead of reality. But it is a permissive and accepting place, and it's also an inclusive fellowship, which is exactly what we want the Christian fellowship to be. Christian fellowship was never meant to be exclusive. Supposed to be inclusive of all people. Regardless of life's circumstances, you ought to be welcome here. Not only that, in the local bar, we'll say that, the neighborhood bar, it's unshockable. It is democratic. You can tell folks your secrets there, And they usually don't tell other folk about it, all right, or even want to tell other folk about it because they got their own secrets that they're telling. But watch this now. The local bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has placed it in our hearts, the desire to know and be fully known and to love and be fully loved. And it is there in that space that people feel most vulnerable and allow themselves to be seen. So a a lot of people seek this counterfeit entity for the price of a few beads. Now, I'm telling you this knowing that there are other organizations that I'm a part of, and I'm going to step on somebody here, You too may be a part of them that are supposed to be grounded in fellowship and friendship and brotherhood. But I know, and you know too, that they come up lacking. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I've been an alpha for 40 years. Been a member of the fraternity for 40 years and I know how lacking it can be in terms of my vulnerability within the ranks. The reason is Everybody there is supposed to be top-shelf superstars. And it's impossible for all these leaders, and you can replace Alpha with Kappa, Omega, whatever other organization, Masonic, whatever else. Everybody in there is striving to be the ultimate best and slow to save when they come short. Hard to be vulnerable when you're dealing with circumstances like that. You have to go to a place where it's okay to fall. It's okay to stumble. Perhaps there's no better example of this than a television sitcom that was, you know, if you you grew up in the 80s, you know this sitcom. You know the words to the song. It was declared to be in 2013 by the TV guy. Now, we used to take TV guy to the bank. Oh, yeah, you couldn't leave the grocery line without mama buying by the TV guy so you could know what's going on. And the TV guy, you put out these awards every year. They said it was the greatest TV theme song ever written. That's a lot. The greatest TV theme song ever written. And you know the words it says, Sometimes You Want to Go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see, watch this, our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. The number one TV sitcom, it was funny too. It was funny and it wasn't raunchy. You know, there, were, there was always innuendo in it, but there was a line that was drawn. You couldn't even have a show like that today. Yeah. You couldn't. <clears throat> if, if, if it was today, it wouldn't even be in a bar. It'd be in a strip club. It'd be something like that. We always got to go a little bit extra to get that punch these days. The civility has gone out the window. And so we are in a place where still people have the same problems, church. No matter how society drums it up, no matter how much access we have to connectivity, we are still ever more distant. Even in that connectivity, I can see more about you, but I know less about you, because all you do now is show me the you you want everybody to see. And you rarely show me the you you really are. Yeah. How many pictures did you take before you posted that one? As the one. That's simply where we are as a society. We always got to put our best with And so it's hard to find authenticity in relationships. It's really difficult. You get friend requests from people in other countries who you've never met before and you accept them. Yes, we are friends now. We are connected. If we pass one another on the street, would we even know each other at all considering I don't have on my glam makeup. I just got on my me makeup and I don't look like me when I'm not on Instagram. Or when I'm not in the sphere. I look different. I look like me. <laughs> and you don't know me when I look like me. Because I didn't fix it up. Yeah. It's a, it's, that's where we are. That's where we are. The Bible's not silent at all when it comes to friendship. Relationships. It doesn't just talk about Jesus in heaven, y'all. It talks about real life and living. And you have to study it to see the nuances in people's lives and really study it to understand how they adapted to a changing circumstance. And, and things have always been changing. Um, what does it take? What does it take practically to maintain good friendships? Somebody would have you believe that having a good friend in 2022 require something different than it did 2,000 years ago, and I came to tell you that's not true. The same requirements are in existence. I want to show you some of the qualities that you need to have to be a good friend. And if I show you some of the things you need to have to be a good friend, perhaps that will give you a template or a blueprint for you to follow when it comes to finding a good friend for yourself. Because you'll look for those things that you have in common. Uh, It's interesting. How many of y'all like uh, tea, sweet tea? Raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best thing to sweeten sweet tea with? Sugar. I know this. Because I, have you know, in my little bit of living, I've traveled different places. And if you're not in the South, you can't get no sweet tea. Not like sweet tea that we have here that we've grown up with. If you go to like the West Coast and ask for sweet tea, they look at you like you are crazy. All right. They say, here's the tea and there's the sweetener. Do your thing. All right. And what you find on the table, this is interesting now, what you find on the table is an assortment of sweeteners. Sometimes you'll find natural sugar in there. Or regular sugar, but if you're in, if you're from the south and you've been here any time, you know one of the hardest things in the world to do is sweeten cold tea. All right, so you got a ice, a, a cup full of cold tea with ice in it, and you're supposed to pour sugar in it to sweeten it. You're gonna have a hard time doing it. The best time to sweeten the tea is when it's still warm or hot. All right, that's when the sugar infuses better. But not only do they give you the little tray with the sh- Sugar examples in it. Going somewhere with this? You also have some sugar substitutes. All right, y'all know you know the little pink Equal or the little pink package, sweet and low. I think still sweet, sweet and low. And then you got Equal, stevia. Some folk will even bring you some honey to put in there and try to sweeten it up. It's interesting, I found this to be the case, that when you use too much sugar substitute, you don't get more sweet, you get bitter. Yeah, you ever tried to put too much equal in a cup? It doesn't get sweeter. There's bitterness that comes from it. That's just like somebody trying to be your friend too hard. They turn something that could be positive into something that's negative, cause they and you'll say to yourself, you am trying too hard, I'm trying to do too much. You're trying to take all my..." And then guess what happens when you try to do that? It leaves, in my opinion, a bitter aftertaste, just like with the tea. Be careful; there is no substitute to the sweetness of true friendship. And it's best born when there is warm relation. That's when the sweetness grows in the friendship. So how are true friendships chosen? Solomon wrote this in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. He said, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10 reads for if they fall one will lift up his companion but woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him get up. Yeah. You can write this down. You can remember this. This is important. It's my responsibility as a parent or guardian to teach my children how to pick good friends. All right? It is not something that is natural. It has to be taught. It is a learned experience to know who you should put in your life and who you should not put in your life. So, parents, Checking on your children's choices of friends is part of your responsibility. That is not being nosy. That is being a parent. All right? Who are your folks is a reasonable question. Where do you live? (laughs) is a reasonable question. Tell me something about you. If your friend never wants to come around your parents at all, that's a problem. All right? Because you need to be able to observe them. How do you do? By looking at them, not being around them. Parent, I'm going to say this too. You make a mistake by never allowing your children's friends to come into your environment. Because they're going to get together. But you want to get them together in the laboratory of your home or in your environment so you can pay attention to who and how they are. Because only then can you make a true diagnosis on whether or not this person is a supportive friend or a good potential friend for your child. Now, poverty ain't got nothing to do with it. Yeah, n- nothing to do with it. All children, poor anyway. It's the parents that's got money. All right, so poverty ain't got nothing to do with it. Just because their mom and daddy are not on the same professional scale as you is not a good reason for their child not to be your children's friend. That's wrong. That's wrong. Come from a time when we all work for somebody. All right. And whether we worked in the field or in the house, it didn't matter. We were still all slaves. Stop judging people based on the house they lived in and all. That don't matter. The question is, are there good influences on your children, and do they have good, good manners? (laughs) It's the best I can come up with. All right? And if they don't, are they teachable? Because sometimes the manners and the things they learn get caught at your house. Oh yeah, I learned this from my good friend whose life dynamic was different than mine. But he spent a lot of time around me and I didn't realize until we were adults that he said he used to pay attention to how we did stuff because it was a different dynamic. Not that we were doing it all right, it's just that it was different And it was positive. And because of that, he caught some things that he would not have caught otherwise. I couldn't know this unless he told me that as adults. Now, there was something that I was pushing away because it was aggravating for me. My friend was drawing it in. So that which I took for granted was valuable to him. Because that's what I was doing, taking it for granted. Because it was always accessible to me. But he told me, because he's my friend, that he learned such and such when he was hanging out at our house. And my response to him as a grown man was, for real? Because I took it for granted. Because the environment was always there. Parents, you may be the best example your children's friends have. Stop blocking them from your example. Most decisions in life have consequences, but who your children, you you can say this, who we choose as our friends, has life-altering consequences. Life-altering consequences. Yeah, I know your child don't get high. Maybe. Uh, I know your child doesn't drink. But if their good friend does, then they still get put in an environment where that is happening. And they have the same risk factors As everybody who is participating in it, who you have as your friend can get you in or out of trouble. You got to teach them how to be responsible in their selection of friends. True friendships are chosen. They're chosen. It's been said that you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Sometimes your friends are better influences than your family. Sometimes. Yeah. But let me say this to you. For those of us who've lived a little bit longer uh, than others, who you choose as your closest friend is very critical that you choose wisely who you put in your inner circle Why? Because they will have the greatest influence on you. They will either build you up or they will tear you down. They will either encourage you or they will discourage you. They will either help you or they will hurt you. Who you allow to become your closest friend. I've seen too many people go downhill because of, as mama said, the company you keep. Just going downhill Now, I'm not going to ask you to show your hands right now, but how many of y'all know right now, in hindsight, could have been me? Could have been me because I used to hang with that crew. And but for God's grace, I got up out of the crew without the same thing that happened to them happening to me. I just didn't go to the party that night. Under normal circumstances, that was my crew. I would have been at the party with them. When it jumped off, I had a test that I studied for. And then they called me and said, such and such happened. And they ain't been back since. Yeah, they've been in prison, in dead, whatever, since. But God's grace covered me. Who you choose makes a difference. I've seen a person experience God's best because they've chosen the right kind of friend. Uh, The writer of Ecclesiastes is pretty clear. He wants us to understand that friendship is a good investment. And it's an investment just like you invest money in good stock. You also have to invest in friendship. And it pays dividends when you do that. It, the Bible says, uh, this is the language that's used is it ha- you will have a good reward for your labor. A good reward for your labor. Good reward means good return. Same notion as with investment. So the very best investment you can ever make in life won't be financial. No. But it'll be an investment in your relationship. You won't regret spending good time with good folks. But you will regret spending good time with bad folks. Oh, it'll hurt you. And I look, let me say this to you too. Most of the time, the enemy of our lives doesn't come to us in black. So obviously a bad person. Most of the time, it's somebody that we allow into our circle But we can tell, come on now, you can tell when your friend doesn't have the same purpose you have. In fact, some of that might be what draws you to them, that they are a little bit more risky than you are. You say it like this, you're so crazy. You do anything. You are always doing stuff. You need to watch out. You know, it's that crazy that'll get you. That crazy that'll have you posting bombs. That crazy that'll have your mom and dad trying to mortgage their house so you can get a good defense counsel. It's that kind of crazy. You can start off innocuously. That means with nothing bad going on. You can just be to coin a, a recent, and I'm not telling nobody, I'm just going fishing. But I'm going fishing with some folk who got some trouble passed. And on the way, they pick up some problems. Yeah, and now I got a problem. You can be so innocent and still so in trouble just because of who you decide you want to roll with, who you decide you want to ride with, you can be messed up. I'm standing right here to tell you, I'm in 7600 Division. Uh, Avenue in Birmingham, Alabama, and right now in the prison system in Birmingham, Alabama, there are people who are languishing in prison for no other reason because who they got in the car with. They didn't pull the trigger. They didn't even know the folk who got into it. But they're in prison as an accessory because of who they decided to hang out with. Make sure your children understand. Make sure you understand. And let me say this to you as well: just because they can don't mean they for you. You can have some crazy crazy relatives who make good choices. There's a reason why you don't hang out with their mama or their daddy. Well, they don't let your children hang out with them just because they're Because they can be in trouble as well. So it's good to know that the basic premise of the kingdom of heaven is relationship. He's always telling stories, Jesus was always telling stories about the value of relationship. If you don't don't know how you're supposed to treat your friend, let's do this. This is something I want to give you today. You walk away. If you've got a good friend in your life, someone you would consider even a best friend, start doing this. Whatever you pray for yourself, pray for them all right whatever you pray for your, yourself whatever you want God to bless you with in your life then pray that God will bless them in their life for the same thing if you want God to bless you with success then pray that the Lord will bless your friend with success all right not a lesser success because there ain't no competition all right but whatever you pray for the Lord, Lord I got a history test coming up on Friday. Please bless my memory so that I can make a great grade on my history test. And Lord, please bless Donnell. Bless Donnell, my friend, so that Donnell can have true recall and do well as well on his history test. The same thing. You pray for yourself, pray for them. So learn how to pray for their success. Not only do I want you to learn in your friendship how to pray for your friends' success, all right, uh, And this ain't just for children, this for grown folk too. You pray for the Lord to bless you so you can pay for your bills, ask the Lord to bless your friends so that their bills can be paid for too. Same thing. Same thing. Your life can be enriched when your friends start praying for you and you are praying for them. Then I want you to start encouraging them. Your friend, whoever your good friend is, encourage them. All right? There's a famous theologian <clears throat> who tells their poignant story about one Sunday he was attending a church as a very young man. And it was customary in the church that young men were encouraged to participate in a particular part of the service by praying loudly. Well, this young man was nervous. He was just getting in the ministry, and he was also nervous because he had a stuttering problem. He he had a speech impediment. And so the pressure of him being new, the speech impediment, pressure of simply being in front of people, he stood and he started praying, and it just came out that the prayer seemed so terribly confused because that's what happens. Everything doesn't come out perfect each time. And he, he said some things that were not wrong, but they were just disjointed. Of course, you can imagine when he finished with the prayer, he said to himself, I ain't never doing that again, you know, because it simply didn't feel good. He could kind of sense in the room that people were a little confused by what he had just talked about. So at the end of the service, all he wanted to do was get out of the church. He didn't want to talk to anybody. He knew somebody was going to come and try to talk to him and correct him, and he said he almost made it out. And one of the elders of the church caught him at the back door. And before he could get through the door and say anything, the older man called him and said to him, and he wasn't ready for the man to say this to him, he said, Larry, that's the man's name, he said, Larry, one thing I want you to know. He said, whatever you do for the Lord, I'm behind you 1,000%. And it completely floored him because he was ready to be chastised, corrected, straightened out. Instead, the man saw his heart, not what he said. And he said, you've got the energy. We just need to direct you. And so instead of castigating him, he encouraged him. And because of his encouragement, This man is now a famous theologian. He took that and ran with it. You never know what an attaboy will do for somebody. You never know what a God bless you for trying will do. There's always time to teach, but sometimes it's just okay to hug and let folks know I appreciate what you tried to do. There's something else you can do in, 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 in addition to praying for them in addition to encouraging children, you can also learn how to praise them. Praise them. There's nothing like somebody giving you some praise. Someone, someone once, noticed, uh, once noted that a rich man, a very rich man, had a lot of millionaires who worked for him. A lot of millionaires. And so they asked him, they say, what is it? Is this unique? Only rich people, only millionaires can work for you? Is that how special it is? And the rich man looked at him, and he said, they weren't millionaires when they started working for me. Yeah. They weren't millionaires. They were cold. We shined them up and made them diamonds. Don't be afraid when it comes to selecting folks. He said it. He said, you don't always mine for gold. I mean, when you mine for gold, you got to look in the dirt to find. Too often we start looking for the most brilliant, the biggest, the best, as opposed to simply somebody who has possibility. I'm so glad that when it came time to look for a pastor to pass the 45th Street, the requirements could not have been must have passed because I wouldn't be here. The requirements could not have been, must have been in ministry for X number of years because I'd only been preaching for two years. The requirements could not have been There's so many other things I could put on the list that I see on search committee lists now for preachers must have a theology degree, I wouldn't qualify. So many other things could have been on the list and yet Somebody said, let's try him. Let's just give him a chance. Let's see what he might uh, be able to do. You know how valuable it is when somebody just gives you a chance. Let you do the best you can do. And if it works, God bless you. Look at us 19 years later almost. But by many standards, I never would have been qualified to even take the position at all. Real friendships, church, requires sacrifice. You got sacrifice. You're a friend, true friend, and you're not willing to give of yourself to that friend, then you're really not much of a friend. What is is sacrifice? Sacrifice is two o'clock in the morning and the phone rings. Sacrifice is, on the other line, the person says, Hey, man, I need you. Sacrifice saying, man, what is this you didn't got into now? Where is you? No, no. Your friend, you just say, where? Where you? Where you need me to be? Sacrifice. And if it's the right kind of friend, your wife don't mind you getting out of your bed at 2 o'clock in the morning because the phone rang when I say it's blank. That person has enough credibility in my life that she knows ain't no junk going on. He's going to take care of a friend. That's friend. That's a friend. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you a good friend will make you get out of a dead sleep to come to his rescue if the time comes. And you may wonder how can I tell the difference between a friend and an acquaintance. We use those terms all the time now as if they mean the same thing. They don't. All right, They don't. How can I tell the difference? Just get in trouble. Just get in trouble and you'll figure out who the friends are. Just need something. Yeah, the ones you've been chopping it up with all the time will get ghost. Yeah, but the ones who are truly your friend, they'll be there They'll stand there. They'll help you. They'll sacrifice for you. Proverbs 17 and 17 says, A friend loves at all times and a brother is made for adversity. Real friends help you when you're down. That's what you have to be. You have to be willing to do what you expect to be done for you. A real friend is someone who provides emotional or a physical warmth in this cold world, they're going to be there for you. And People tell you that all the time. I'll be there for you. Well, the proof is in the pudding. Because times are going to come. John 5, 13, 15 and 13 reads, Greater love hath no man than this, that he's willing to lay down his life for his friends, and that's what Jesus Christ did for him. He laid his life down for us that's why we trusted him as our Savior. Now, to be Jesus' friend would require sacrifice. You're going to be Jesus' friend just like you expect him to be your friend, that he has the same expectation of sacrifice that he's willing to give to you. He wants you to be able to sacrifice your time. He wants you to be able to sacrifice the gifts and talents that he's given to you, allowed you to acquire He wants you to be able to sacrifice time thinking about him, meditating on him and his purposes. Yeah, he wants you to give back some of your treasure. He wants you to. And then he wants you to sacrifice sometimes to do some of the things that others can't do, just like he would do. That's the kind of friend that Jesus is. I love this too. Real friendships are resilient. Resilient. That means you can go through something and still be okay. You ought to put that word in your lexicon. You ought to be able to say that. You ought to develop, if you don't have it, resilience, all right? That means I can go through something and still come out okay. Me and my friends have argued, We disagreed. We still all right. Ain't no, ain't no, there's none of this, I ain't talking to you no more. No, it's, it's, we argued last month, he was wrong and I was right, still believe that, but I'm going to call him and say, hey man, how you doing, you all right today? Uh, happy birthday, man, I know you still wrong on your birthday today, but uh, we're going to work through it, we're going to work through it. My best friend in life growing up, I love him enough. He's an Auburn man. I'm an Alabama man. We didn't even talk yesterday. Didn't even talk. I'm not going to mess with him. He's not going to mess with me. Not only that, I went to Tuskegee and he went to Alabama State. We really got some problems. All right, But we don't let stuff get in the way of it. Life is too precious. I love him too to let that mess mess with our friendship. That ain't nothing in the end of the day. In the end of the day, when you need somebody who can be there, when you're an only child and your mama's dying, that's what a friend is for. Or when you're not an only child and your mama's dying, and you need somebody to talk to, he might not know the answers, but he'll let me cry. And tell him how helpless I feel. When you've been through enough of life like that together, why would you throw something as valuable as that relationship away? People tell you all the time that because your friends go through stuff, you need to leave them alone. And that's a lie. Because life will take you through some things. Got a good friend who started suffering from alcoholism. Problematic. Doing and going places and doing things that I couldn't be around professionally because it wouldn't just mess with me, it messed with my ability to take care of my family. But I love it. Do everything I can to help you, friend, to the end. I'll come hang with you, but we can't drink. I watched the Lord deal with them. The same one that folk used to say something negative about drinking, stop drinking. Same friend. Didn't go to rehab, stop drinking. Life brought enough issues to him and let him stop drinking. What a friend I would have missed if I had pushed him away. But I'll stand here today and tell you through it all, he was still in his struggles with drinking a better friend to me than I was to him. Even in his struggles, he was my connection to everybody else. He was truly my friend. And I regret that I could not have been a better friend to him during that time. He's still my boy. He knows you. He knows you. He's listening to this service. He knows uniquely who I'm talking about. Real friends, speak up. And they'll guard your back. You might not be anywhere around the conversation, but they're not gonna let anybody put your name in disrespect. They're not gonna do it. Comes from the old Roman military posture, where somebody say, "I got your back." They used to send Roman soldiers into battle by twos, and they would stand with their backs to one another so that they could fight and protect one another. That's what it means. Can't nobody get to your back, because I got your back. And that's what it means right now. You need to have somebody who's always got your back. Whether you're present with them physically or not, they got your back. Yeah, you can talk about a whole lot, but you can't talk about him. You can say whatever you want, but you won't say nothing about it. No, no. You may see him do something. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. He got to tell me what's going on. Because I know him better than that. Last thing I want to tell you, and I'm out of here, is that real friends are rewarding. They're the value that you get in life. Real friends. When it's all said and done, who cares how many rooms you got in your house? If nobody ever comes to visit you in any of them. Who cares what neighborhood you live in? If you're almost a prisoner in that neighborhood, can't nobody come up in there and see you. I'd rather sit in the park on a bench with somebody I love, just talking to them, than sit in any country club, any fancy restaurant, any of those places with a room full of folk who I don't know who ain't doing them but trying to impress me. That stuff doesn't impress me. What impresses me is people being genuine. Be with somebody who can be your friend. Real friendships. The reward comes from simply being yourself. I came to talk to some young folk who are in school right now. You may be doing well academically. I did. But it might be the social side of school that you struggle with, who your friends are, how you deal with them. It's hard in 1977 to 81 to be in high school in Birmingham, Alabama, and not be able to grow an Afro. <laughs> That's a hard thing, you know, because Afros were the rage. You had to be able to pick your hair out. Look cool. You had to look like the singers, and all the baddest singers had big afros. It also helped, didn't help not to be tall. Platforms didn't help. Even though platforms, you were still short. I'm talking about small TWA afros. Yeah, the blowout kit didn't help. You, you couldn't get a blowout kit big enough or strong enough to blow that out. You needed somebody. Didn't have no brothers or sisters at the school. But I had a friend. I had a friend. We didn't take all the same classes together. But I knew come lunchtime I had somebody I could see. Talk to. We used to walk to school. I knew I had somebody I could walk with. I tell my wife all the time that we used to have to cross Jefferson Avenue in West End. every day going and coming. Baby, no other children did the same. It was good to have somebody to walk that long way with. I had a friend. Good thing about it was he was short just like me. He did have an afro though, so he thought he was better, you know. I loved him I loved him until I found another friend (laughs) that friend came with benefits (laughs) she loved me said she wanted to spend my life with him guess what he wasn't jealous he was happy for me he was happy for me because he had found someone to match that as well I was happy for him Friends sharing life's rewards. And they celebrate with you. That's why we could stand next to each other. When we took those vows and said I do, I knew who was gonna be my best man. He knew who was gonna be his best man. Life is good like that. But one thing we did find in common, we both learned early on. That we needed somebody bigger than us, better than us, who could straighten us out. Both of us came from tricky father situations, so we didn't have that in place. We learned to depend on somebody who was bigger and better than us, and that's Jesus Christ. And we learned that no matter what, no matter who else didn't want to be our friend, Jesus could. He could be our friend. Jesus actually is your best friend, if you'll let it. And if you select Jesus as your best friend, that's your blueprint for how you pick other friends. If he select them. So I'm inviting you to let Jesus be your best friend. And he deserves it because he already knows you better than anybody else. One definition of being a good friend is somebody who, like, somebody who knows you and all you are and likes you anyway. And that's Jesus. Not only that, Jesus deserves to be your best friend because he's already done more for you than anyone ever could. He's prepared eternity. And lastly, Jesus deserves to be your best friend because he'll always be there for you when you need it. Words of, of that old hymn that we used to sing, and I love him. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bad. It's not long before your children understand that in this life, people will make their friendship conditional. Jesus won't do that. Yeah, children aren't old, really old, before somebody starts putting a condition on their life and their friendship. It's a sad day when your baby comes home from school and cries for you and says, such and such won't be my friend anymore. And you realize, thus starts life for them. They got to figure out how to maneuver, how to maneuver life. But Jesus won't do that to you. He'll never make his love conditional. He'll simply ask you to be his. He won't say, I love you if you do everything right, because you and I know we've already messed up, and we, we will again. He loves you whether or not you come to church, whether or not we accept him as our Savior. He still loves you. The bonus becomes when you love him and are willing to trust him. With your life, and I extend that opportunity to you today to ask you to trust him not just with your tomorrow and your forever, but trust him with your right now, trust him with your today, trust him and let him prove that there's not a friend like Jesus. Guess what? when he's our friend, what a privilege it is for us to carry everything to him in prayer. But oh, what peace. We often forfeit because we don't take it to him in prayer. Offering Christ to you.